For a large selection of Bibles and Christian books, stop by the Utah Christian Research Center. The Utah Christian Research Center is open Wednesday through Saturday at 10 a.m. Located one mile west of the I-15 at 579 West Galena Park Place in Draper, Utah. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Eric, I want to start the show off by asking you a question. Let's imagine you're in your mid-90s. You've got some serious health issues, and you're given the opportunity to preach what could possibly be your last sermon. Now, you and I both have spoken in many churches throughout the country. We've had that opportunity many times, but I want to ask you, what is your topic? I think that's a no-brainer. I think I would talk about the person who has meant the most to me, my Savior, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I might even call it praise to the man, the idea that Jesus came incarnate, became flesh, dwelt among us so that we might be able to have a relationship with him. He's the most important thing in my life. And for every sermon I do preach, I always try to make sure there's something about Jesus in that sermon. It's something I've always tried to do. So yes, I, I would hope if I knew I was at the end of my life giving this possible last sermon, I would probably want to talk about my Savior. I would tend to agree with you because one thing that I try to do in the sermons that I have preached over the years is to encourage people to find themselves at the foot of the cross, to know that they cannot be saved of their own accord, and not only put their complete trust in the finished work of Christ, but hopefully to live a life which gives him honor and glory. Now, you mentioned praise to the man, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Because on November 12th, 2023, President M. Russell Ballard, he was president of the Quorum of the Twelve, died at the age of 95. About six weeks before his death, he gave his final conference message. His final conference message was titled, Praise to the Man. Same title I would have given it. But yet, the man you are speaking about is the man Christ Jesus. That's a phrase right out of the New Testament, so it makes perfect sense. But that was not the man that M. Russell Ballard wanted to praise in his last public message. I'll give you the subtitle of this talk. That, by the way, is Sunday morning, October 1st, 2023. It's the Lord's Day. This is the subtitle. How abundantly blessed we are to know all that we know because we have Joseph Smith, the prophet of this last dispensation of time. Now, there's a lot I'd like to say about that little pull quote, but we're going to get to it because it's in the second column on page 74 of the November 2023 Liahona Magazine, which of course is the conference edition where they have all the transcripts from the various conference messages. So this is a conference message. Any message given in conference is certainly something that a Latter-day Saint should give heed to, because as we've talked about many times on this show, when 
leaders speak in general conferences, it's, it's as if the Lord is speaking through them. This is how they understand it. Off air, we were talking about how he's very folksy through this talk, especially toward the end. And I think before we get into this talk, I think we ought to talk about what he says at the very end, page 76. He says, he says, I'll soon be 95. My children tell me they think I'm a lot older than that some days, but that's okay. I'm doing the best I can. But for nearly 50 years, brothers and sisters, I've had the privilege to cover the world in my assignment as a general authority of the church. It's been a wonderful blessing. I think I've gotten pretty close to almost all parts of the world. I've met with members of the church all over the world. Oh, how I love you. What a glorious experience that's been to look into your faces, be in your presence, and feel your love that you have for the Lord and for the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Bill, as I looked at that originally, and as we talked about it, it just feels to me that he somehow knew his time was very short. Yeah, well, he died of respiratory failure from what we understand, and that's not something that just happens overnight. Plus, he was hospitalized right after this message, so he had health issues and probably very well could have known that he did not have too many days left. And so that's why I asked you the question at the beginning of this show, because I don't think most evangelical Christians, if they were in this same kind of scenario, would get up and give a sermon praising another human being. But here we find M. Russell Ballard doing exactly that. And I can't think of a, a evangelical Christian pastor who's ever praised Paul or Peter or any other leader of the church, uh, of, of the Christian church. And yet here in Mormonism, it seems to be okay that you're allowed to sing praises to a human being who is not Jesus himself. Well, yeah, I think you make a good point. I'm not doubting that perhaps some at some point some Christian pastors have remarked on the perseverance of Paul and the fact that he certainly had a pastor's heart, put up with a lot of nonsense, especially with that dysfunctional church in Corinth, and still pressed on and, of course, gave us much of our New Testament. But the Latter-day Saints are oftentimes talking about Joseph Smith, praising Joseph Smith. I mean, this title, Praise to the Man, that is a hymn that they sing, and they sing it quite often in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I don't know of any hymns that we have that are to the Apostle Paul. I don't know of any hymns that we sing that are sung to or about Peter or any of the other apostles. Looking back on, uh, on the songs that we sing in our church, they're all Jesus-focused. We're always talking about him and what he's done on our behalf. So this is certainly a a different direction than what we as Christians would think is the proper direction. But we're going to get into this message because he says some things that I think are worthy of taking close note. Because a lot of the things he says, some of the things he says regarding his own history need to be challenged. Because there's one part in particular where he, he tells a lie that has been said over and over again in the LDS Church regarding their church's history. But let's begin with what he says at the very start of this conference message that was given on October 1st, 2023. My dear brothers and sisters, I'm honored to be with you this morning. I pray that the Lord will bless me. My eyes aren't what they used to be. I went and saw the eye doctor and I said, I can't see the teleprompter. And she said, well, your eyes are old. 
they're not going to change. So I'll do the best I can. And of course, this is probably the most you're going to hear a general authority do any type of self-deprecation. It's not going to be about their sinfulness. It's not going to be about their shortcomings in their life. It's going to be about some kind of health issue or perhaps something they did as a young child early in their life that was just a silly thing that most kids do. They don't normally talk about their sinfulness. They don't talk about the fact that they, like us, like all the members that they are looking at, that they, in fact, are sinful people in need of God's mercy, and there's nothing that they could possibly do to overcome that situation, because they think they can and probably think they have. But he goes on, I'd like to share with you some things that have been in my mind. I have seemed to have the prophet Joseph in my mind the last few months. He continues, I've sat and contemplated his glorious responsibility in becoming the prophet of this dispensation of the fullness of times. I think how grateful we are as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that Joseph Smith, a boy who desired to know what he needed to do to have his sins forgiven, found the courage to go into a grove of trees near his home in Palmyra, New York, and there kneel in prayer and, by his own statement, pray out loud for the first time. See Joseph Smith History 114, that's found in the Pearl of Great Price. Now, when he says this, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm just not thinking that that's a great example of courage to go out into some grove of trees and merely pray out loud. That's really courage for M. Russell Ballard. Does that seem a little bit odd? I mean, people have done that many times, but for some reason, M. Russell Ballard thinks that this is an act of courage on the part of Joseph Smith, but that's really neither here nor there. The part that I'm looking at was when he says how grateful he, he is as a member of the LDS Church about a boy who desired to know what he needed to do to have his sins forgiven. Now, he's talking about, obviously, the first vision. And we should mention, for those of our listeners who aren't aware of this, there's all sorts of different accounts of the first vision. Most people are familiar with what's known as the 1838 account. That is the official account as it's taught today. But Joseph Smith in 1832, in his personal diary, talked about an encounter that he had in the woods when he prays. And he's asking for his sins to be forgiven. The problem, of course, is the details in that story don't often match the story that's in the 1838 account. They have to conflate a lot of the four different accounts that Joseph Smith gave during his lifetime and somehow come up with a story. But if you look at the 1832 account, what happens? Joseph Smith goes out into the woods and he says, I cried unto the Lord for mercy, for there was none else to whom I could go and obtain mercy. And the Lord heard my cry in the wilderness and while in the attitude of calling upon the Lord in the 16th year of my age, now that's a, that's a contradiction with the official account, a pillar of fire, and then he scratches out the word fire and writes, light above the brightness of the sun at noonday came down from above and rested upon me, and I was filled with the Spirit of God, and the Lord opened the heavens upon me, and I saw the Lord... And he spake unto me, saying, Joseph, my son, thy sins are forgiven thee. So what did Joseph Smith have to do to get his sins forgiven, if we believe this account? 
he merely cried out to God. And according to Joseph Smith, he said, the Lord appeared. And we know that this is speaking about Jesus because it goes on to say, I am the Lord of glory. I was crucified for the world that all those who believe on my name may have eternal life. Ballard commends Joseph Smith, who desired to know what was needed for him to do to have his sins forgiven. But yet what Joseph Smith claimed he did in his account here in 1832 in his diary is not normally what you hear Latter-day Saints must do if they hope to be forgiven of their sins now. Because in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, and Joseph Smith didn't meet that formula at this time. He merely cried out to God and claimed that the Lord forgave him. But Latter-day Saints now are told what in section 1? Nevertheless, he that repents and does the commandments of the Lord shall be forgiven. So what Latter-day Saints are told to do today doesn't seem to be the same thing that Joseph Smith needed to do, at least in his 1832 account. He merely cries out. Now, we would agree with that. You can cry out and ask God for forgiveness, and he will forgive the one that is contrite. Commandment keeping is not a requirement in order to get that forgiveness. You get it at the very beginning of your faith walk. According to his 1832 diary, it sounds like Basically, all he had to do was cry out and ask God to forgive him of his sins. And, according to Joseph Smith, in this testimony, he claims the Lord did just that. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism.